0: Welcome to the National Crawford Roundtable podcast, a view of culture, current events and politics through a biblical lens with your hosts, Neil Boron, Bob Duco, Roger Marsh and John Rush. Now let's join the conversation.
1: Very happy to be back with you folks for another week of the National Crawford Roundtable with myself, Bob Duco out of Detroit, Roger Marsh of the bottom line out of the People's Republic of California, John Rush, Rush to Reason out of Denver, Colorado, Neil Boron, Neil Boron live out of Buffalo, New York. Gentlemen, how are you today?
2: Hello, oh, Bob. Good
1: doing morning, love, Bob. How are you? I'm doing just lovely. Thank you. Looking forward to another great week with you. Uh, okay, this week we're going to talk about the the violence that's been going on in cities, Kenosha, Portland, and so many others around the country, but also the politics behind all of this. There's been a lot of things in the news about Joe Biden claiming that all this violence now is Donald Trump's fault, that he's, quote, fomenting violence. You have the case in Kenosha, Wisconsin, of Kyle Rittenhouse, the 17-year-old who's being charged with first-degree murder or intentional homicide, as they call it, in Wisconsin. You have the execution of a Trump supporter in Portland and the claim by Joe Biden that He and the Trump supporters were merely, quote, spoiling for a fight. I mean, it's the classic blame the rape victim uh, kind of thing. And I look at all of this and I think, are you kidding me? Joe Biden spent 88 days in his bunker refusing to denounce or even address the existence of violence in this country. And it wasn't until Don Lemon and Chris Cuomo on CNN pointed out that, Ruh-roh. the row. the polling data and focus groups are now showing that, that this is backfiring on Biden. He needs to get out there and condemn the violence. And what do you know, coincidence, the next day Joe Biden came out of his bunker, issued a statement, oh, yeah, this uh, violence is wrong. But for 88 days, he, he felt no need To address this at all, he just allowed Gerald Nadler to call it a myth, and then it wasn't until focus groups and polling suggested that this was damaging to him, and then he comes out with a statement. I find this obscene, but let's throw this around the table first of all and talk about in a general sense Joe Biden and the Democrats now trying to claim this is Donald Trump. This blood is on Donald Trump's hands. He's the one who's fomenting violence with his rhetoric and such. it's like living in the twilight zone. But, John Rush, Mm. let me start with you. Mm. Uh, Some of your immediate thoughts on the audacity of Joe Biden and the Democrats to actually try to—I know the old cliche, the best defense is a good offense, but this is over-the-top dishonest.
3: Well, and their offense is uh, hurting—what they're putting out as an offense, I should say, is hurting— his chances of winning an election, because the polls are really starting to show that, as you just mentioned a moment ago. So their, their offensive tactics here are not working. The people can see right through it. The, the, everybody knows that these protests in, in Antifa and uh, Black Lives Matter, which, by the way, I think is one organization. I know that technically it's two, but it, it's all the same, guys. Mm-hmm. I, I don't care what anybody out there says. And, and here's the other thing. The, the average voter out there, especially the middle-of-the-road voter, which is what the left needs to actually win this election, they know this is all part of the Democrat Party. People are not as dumb as the Democrats think they are. They They know this is coming out of the left, and when the left, to your point, Bob, does not— You know, uh, disavow this and or condemn the violence that's going on, and really ultimately put a stop to it. Because keep in mind, behind the scenes, they're the ones orchestrating and funding this. And again, people aren't that dumb; they know that that's the case. So their offense and what they're you know potentially trying to do in calling these things out. Finally, now you know Joe Biden comes out and calls them out. But is he really calling them out? Is the question? And in my opinion, he's not. And I think the voters know that, and that's why the polling is what it is today.
1: Yeah. What do you think, uh, Roger, Roger Marsh?
2: Oh, I echo everything John said. Uh, The the idea that this is somehow, uh, you know, fomenting violence coming from the White House is ridiculous. I mean, the idea that the 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 idea that joe biden can actually be uh you know (laughs) could sit back for almost three months and not say anything and then they will better check the tea leaves Well, the polls are not we 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 better speak out on this it it just shows you how carefully choreographed all the responses are all the positions are and so of course what they'll pull very well with blaming Donald Trump for violence in Portland, when the reality is the violence is started or at least is blamed on Minneapolis and has been going on for four months, and they keep this you know sustained attack coming out here with no real rhyme or reason other than we know we're supposed to attack because that's what progressives do. I mean, unfortunately for the Democrat Party, for those who are kind of the centrist, moderate, center-left type of Democrats, they've seen the progressives run the table now, and so antifa becomes the norm. And you look at a group like the uh, the. Uh, who was a, a or Danielson? Who was the Patriot Prayer guy? Who was who was shot? Well. The fundamentalist far right is horrible, but the far left can't go any further. The, the progressives just seem to believe that they can keep going and going and going and going. So now Joe Biden's real dilemma is how do I manage that? How do I manage the AOC and the Omar and and, and, and that the, the the squad coming up that's taking over your party and still look like I'm the traditional John Kennedy Democrat? You know that, that you're trying to make me out to be. It's a it's a no-win situation for Joe Biden. Uh, the question is, does he have enough gas in the tank to ride this all the way through to November? 3rd i'm not sure that they do right now i think the wheels are starting to come off that cart
1: yeah I, i absolutely hope you're right which by the way i'm still trying to figure out what when when we hear that it's donald trump his rhetoric that is fomenting this violence i'm trying to figure out what rhetoric are they talking about there's two main things that donald trump has said repeatedly regarding the violence over the last three months and that is one Law and order. Those three words, law and order. And number two, it's the responsibility of these cities and states to get this violence under control, to stop this violence, and if you can't handle it locally, request federal help. We stand stand ready to send it to you to quell this violence once and for all. How in the world is that message of we need to stop the violence? fomenting violence that that is just absurd but uh neil what's what's your take on uh on the claims of joe biden now that let's turn into the storm and let's actually try now to pin this on donald trump
4: well you know there's an election coming up in 61 days in case anybody forgot (laughs) so everything that's gone wrong or that seems to be going wrong in the nation uh you're going to pin on you know, the incumbent, it's, it's of course, it's Donald Trump's fault in that sense. Um, but, you know, I would, I could echo what uh, John and Roger just said, but let me ask a question because we, you know, I think John referred to the the, 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 the voter in the mushy middle, the one who's undecided. It, it, if it's it's hard to believe that anybody could still be undecided at this point. But let's just say you're not really sure what you want. And because this is going on right now and it's been going on for 90 days, it's possible somebody who's uninformed could say to themselves, "Man, the world is awfully chaotic. Look at all the violence in the streets. I want this to stop. I want if Donald Trump is president and this is going on, I want this to stop. So I guess I'll vote for Joe Biden. Um, and I wonder what how you guys would respond to that because I've been asked that question a couple of times from people who aren't really paying attention." And, you know, then there's a whole lot of explaining to do after that. But uh, what would you guys say in response to that kind of question? Because somebody could say, hey, he's the president. Why doesn't he do something about it right now?
1: You know, it's interesting, Neil, you bring that up. I've, I've talked about that very thing with my audience. And uh, John and Roger may disagree with me here on this. Uh, we'll see. But I tend to think that that is a real legitimate concern, and that's the reason why we have to work extra hard to try to get the truth out to people because, yes, there are a few million people in America that are in the middle and kind of apolitical, and they don't really pay that much attention to the news. And so what they do is they skim the surface of the occasional headline. That's what they get. And so they feel this sense of uneasiness. And so all I Mm -hmm. know is there's violence going on all over the place. We got coronavirus businesses. Shut down. I'm feeling anxiety. I'm not in my happy place right now. And Donald Trump is in charge. So I don't know. Maybe we just need to do something different because what we're doing right now obviously isn't working. You know, now th- that's an uninformed position, but it's sure. an emotional response that I do believe that right now there's probably millions of voters who will fall into that category. Somehow, some way, we have to get the truth to them because ABC, NBC, CBS, and the rest of the media is not getting the truth to them. So uh, I do think that that's a fair and legitimate concern that we do have to think about. And uh, let me throw it over to the guys. Wait, uh, before you do that,
4: in keeping with with that, because I, I really want to hear what, you know, John and Roger have to say about this, but in keeping with that question... Somebody might legitimately then conclude, well, listen, if this is the way it is, I guess we need to elect a new president. Because Donald Trump is the president, and if he's not doing anything about right. it, then I guess it's his fault. Yeah. So that that would be the line of thinking. And, and, that, and I, that's that's I exactly what
1: my concern is, that that you are going to have re- – Right, I do believe that there are millions right now who will be saying exactly this – I, I, you know, America. Life is not happy for me right. right now because I'm stressed by this. And so, what we're doing obviously must not be working. Maybe we do need a change. Maybe we do need to go to somebody other than Trump. I don't care if it's a pet rock. Yeah. Somebody other than Trump. <laughs> and Joe Biden happens to
4: be sure. the guy. Is, is he going to roll out the fix in his second term? In other words, yeah. So what? Yeah. I know. So
1: I, how? I mean, John, Rush, I mean, what's your take on that? And how real is that concern? I,
3: I think. Yeah, you know, I've thought the same thing too, guys, at times. And I think it depends, guys. And it really does depend on that voter. And I don't want to make it sound like I'm you know, being squishy or wishy-washy, but I really think it does depend. I also think there's lots of other factors that come into play. Bob, to your point, we need to do a really good job on radio of educating that middle-of-the-road voter as to what's going on. I think Donald Trump, I, I've heard complaints. In fact, I, I had a guest on the other day and we got into a little bit of an argument about you know trump's speech his acceptance speech at the rnc and how this particular person didn't think there was enough zingers in it didn't think it was enough donald trumpish if you would and and i countered that and i said wait a minute time out if we're trying to win the middle of the road and we're trying to get that voter into the fold i think what donald trump did in his acceptance speech is exactly what's needed to try to bring some of those people in Because when you start zinging out the zingers, if you would, uh, you almost are then kind of in a way, I don't want to say you're inciting the violence because that's not the case because you can do zingers and you guys understand what I'm saying there. But I think Donald Trump was being very careful and the speechwriters are being very careful that nobody could interpret anything he was doing as inciting anything. And in that entire speech, frankly, I think he did a good job of that. And I think, frankly, that's what you're going to see from here all the way to election day out of Donald Trump is exactly that. Going to Kenosha, making sure there's no more violence, squashing some of these things out, making sure the news media sees these things. Because to your point, Bob, yes, I do think there's some in the middle that may very well just say, you know what, we just need change. Change is the only way we're going to fix this, even though that's not the case. We've got to do a really good job of educating those folks to let them know. Now, I will tell you that anybody that has any kind of inkling news-wise and watches anything at all, I don't think is that person. I mean, I think you're talking about the person that never watches any news cycle whatsoever.
1: Yeah. And by the way, I got to say, I what you said about Donald Trump's speech, the RNC, I think you are dead on accurate. I was saying exactly the same thing because people are going, oh, Bob, it was low energy and it was low when It's like, no, 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 you don't understand. This is an opportunity to try to That's reach the, the people in the middle. He yes. was coming across as presidential in this way. If he had been bombastic, let alone with the, the dignity of the White House behind him, this could have served as a turnoff for some of the very people that he's got to try to reach. So, right. I, no, I I think you're absolutely, absolutely right. Uh Roger, what is, what does what's your take on this? How how serious is the potential concern? John doesn't sound as concerned about the people in the middle. Uh, I admit, I, I think I'm a little bit more concerned than John is. And, Roger, if you'll hold on to your thought for just a moment, we're going to take a short break, and then we'll pick it up from there. More uh, here on the National Crawford Roundtable podcast coming up next.
5: Be transformed by the Word of God with Alistair Begg in Truth For Life. Every weekday, Alistair Begg teaches the Bible through in-depth verse-by-verse attention to the Word of God. You can listen to Truth For Life on your local Crawford Broadcasting Station or listen online at truthforlife.org. Please support this important ministry with your donations at the TruthfulLife.org website or by calling 888-588-7884 and be sure to let them know you heard about Truthful Life from the National Crawford Roundtable podcast. Continuing this National Crawford Roundtable
1: with myself, Bob Duco out of Detroit, Neil Boron out of Buffalo, New York, John Rush out of Denver, Colorado, and Roger Marsh, the bottom liner of Southern California. So, Roger, we're talking about the... Uh, the people in the middle, the mushy middle, the apolitical types, the centrists, the moderates, and they just kind of skim the surface of the news. Uh, Neil brought up, and I thought it was a good point, and I, I am concerned about this, how many millions of people there might be in the middle who just feel like, I'm unhappy, I'm uncomfortable, my happy zone is small because of all the riots and the violence and COVID and everything else, and so maybe, just maybe, I'm uninformed, but let's just do something different, okay? Trump is president. That's not working, so let's do something different, and it ends up becoming a default vote for Joe Biden. Uh, I think that's a legitimate concern, and we have to take that seriously and figure out how to reach those people. What's your take?
2: Yeah, absolutely agree. And I think the uh, the wild card here is that's the reason why Kamala Harris got the vice presidential pick on the Democratic side, because if anyone was concerned, it's kind of the same thing you saw in 2008 when Barack Obama was getting the Democratic nomination and there were people who said, well, he's not really experienced. He, you know, we're not, we're not sure what we're going to get with these guys. The Democrats said, hey, let's put Joe Biden on the ticket. And that gives you the experience. And, you know, the, it, it kind of calms those fears. Those are very legitimate concerns that people have. And I'm not saying they're legitimate because they should have them. It's legitimate to recognize the fact that they're actually there i mean the number one ranked television news program or television program period on, on basic uh, you know re- regular network television has been the abc nightly news with david muir for four months five months that's where people are turning because of pandemic stuff that's where they're turning now because of election stuff and violence in the streets those types of issues so those people now are sitting there thinking i'm very well informed because i watch the uh, abc nightly news or world news tonight or whatever it's called and, and that's that's my news of the world right there so as long as i just memorize and regurgitate all of that stuff well of course those people are going to come away with the sense that all is lost the sky is falling and it's all donald trump's fault i mean that's the super short narrative of what they're being spoon-fed every night so the uh, you've got two type, different types of people, though, in the middle, though, I think there, there's definitely the mushy middle, the, you know, kind of, I'm casual observer. And, you know, let's face it, the reason Donald Trump swayed a lot of people in 2016 was they retired of business as usual. They saw Hillary Clinton as business as usual, and they figured what could possibly go wrong. Joe Biden brings a, well, he's got experience. He was the vice president, you know, and what could possibly go wrong there? They're both terrible candidates. I guess I'll pick him. I mean, I could see that mentality. But I'm, I, I'm curious to find out, and I'd love to get your guys' take on this too, with regard to the what I'm sensing is the new non-partisanship, the kind of independent voter that is very well-informed and just says, look, I see what both parties are doing, and I don't want to hitch my wagon to either one of them. Do your best to appeal to me. I think from that vantage point, those voters saw Joe Biden at the DNC, Donald Trump at the RNC and would have a very compelling reason to say, okay, I'm not really beholden to either one of you guys, but Trump definitely gets my vote because they are better informed.
1: Yeah. So you're. it sounds like you think that this is not going to be as as bad or concerning as maybe I, – because I, I'll be honest with you, I'm kind of nervous about it. I, I'm nervous about those people, but you don't, you no, don't I- think – you don't I, think I'm I not, need to be as nervous as I well, am? Well,
2: I'm not as concerned, but I think it's wise, and all of us, I think, are in agreement on this, wise to acknowledge the fact that there will be a voting block that says... I'm just not comfortable with everything that's happening right now and so any kind of change is better if they're not really great candidates doesn't matter the guy who's in needs to be out so we can try something different Because what's the worst that can happen that's that's a very real concern Uh, but I also sense that there is a a growing number of people there are a growing number of people who don't necessarily have a political affiliation driving them but are looking at more policies, and and they're listening to programs like this one, and trying to get different vantage points, and trying to get different viewpoints, so they can make a more informed decision. The more informed deciders, I think, are going to lean more for, toward reelecting the president.
1: Okay, now Roger, let me ask you while we're talking about that. What about the fact that Joe Biden waited eighty eight days? Uh, before he said anything about the violence at all, and then he only did it after polling and focus groups showed that it was necessary for him to do that. It seems like this is something, if we can get the American public to be aware of this fact, it seems like that'll really take the wind out of his efforts to try to pin this whole thing on Donald Trump
2: excellent point and you know quite frankly he spent eight years in the white house with the guy who managed these types of things from the media standpoint not necessarily the policy but from the media standpoint uh, perfectly for his constituents i mean barack obama would knew exactly what to say when when to energize his base and how to do it i didn't necessarily agree with everything he said obviously but he knew how to play it i mean to, to his base not necessarily for the for the good of the country joe biden learned nothing in eight years of working with this guy because there's no way his predecessor would have waited 88 days he would have had some kind of formulated statement within 18 hours, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe 88 minutes or something like that before he came out. And quite frankly, you're seeing that that happening on the campaign trail right now. I've seen more campaigning by Barack Obama for Joe Biden than I have by from Joe Biden for Joe Biden for crying out loud. That mm-hmm. has to send shivers down the spine of a, a hardened Democrat that says this is our guy. And Kamala Harris has got her own splaining to do about some of the things that she said in the past too. So she hasn't exactly been the attack dog I think that the Democrats were hoping she would be right now. Their best defense is is their former president out there talking. And that's, I mean, kind of goes against the grain in terms of the way American politics runs.
1: Yeah. Uh, John, what's your take on that? How how big of a deal is the 88-day waiting? It seems like The independent voters, if they could just know that information, then there'd be a double whammy against Joe Biden. Number one, wow, how could you stay silent? And number two, wait a minute here, you're the one who's being divisive and dishonest by trying now to claim that Donald Trump has the violence on his hands. You didn't say anything about it for 88 days until the polling said that you needed to do that. That, to me, is a really, really damaging thing perception-wise, like Nancy Pelosi going into the salon, if right. people can be made aware of this, because the mainstream press certainly isn't going to report it.
3: No, but I, I do think that the voters now, keep in mind, there's a lot of people out there that may be uh, more naive when it comes to politics, but the question you'd have to ask is, those are those actual, you know, mainstream voters and do they you know swing elections and I would say no I don't think they do I think most people that vote are fairly well informed of what's going on not in every case I understand there's a a fray that always just casts a vote and don't really know what's going on one way or the other and I know there's also the hardcore left that are gonna put a, you know vote for a D no matter what That's just the way it is same thing with hardcore right it's that middle we keep talking about and in that middle that we've got to get on board to get Donald Trump reelected, but I think if you look at the polling numbers right now, look at his popularity, and look at where he's at versus where Joe Biden's at, yeah, the the the, the amount of time that the left waited to actually denounce some of these things and denounce the violence, uh, it, it's not helping them, guys. In fact, it's hurt them greatly. In fact, maybe to the point where it's unrecoverable before the election.
1: Yeah, could be, Neil. What's your take?
4: Well. Um, I've got a couple things to say about it, and I know we need to take a break, so let's do that if that's okay. Um, And we'll break here. We'll be right back with more of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast.
5: Learn how to walk the narrow path with Steve Gregg. With over 40 years of studying the Bible, Steve Gregg is passionate about teaching you how to apply scriptural wisdom to every aspect of your life. Listen to The Narrow Path on your local Crawford broadcasting station or online at thenarrowpath.com. The narrow path is 100 percent listener supported please keep this vital ministry going with your generous financial support and let them know you heard about the narrow path on the national crawford roundtable podcast
4: thanks for listening to the national crawford roundtable podcast my name is neil boron i'm in buffalo new york bob duco with us in detroit michigan today john rush in denver colorado and roger marsh in southern california where to celebrate his birthday yesterday he was flying a jetpack near lax and so <laughs> yeah,
1: that was me well that now they're me. throwing that into question whether that was actually you <laughs> or <Probably> not
4: <laughs> yeah. thanks a lot neil yeah yeah exactly no uh, as far as joe biden being in the basement i honestly think it's by design i i think that they've kept him there and uh, i don't disagree with what you guys are saying about this issue but uh, let me just say and i mean this with true respect i don't honestly think it matters much what joe biden says right now my dad has severe dementia he's 92 years old and i've seen you know firsthand how the, the whole thing plays out now, i'm not a doctor uh but I don't believe Joe Biden is fit to be president of the United States. Yeah, I okay. actually feel bad for him, and I do too. he looks confused. He looks feeble, and I, th- I think he needs somebody to take care of him. Frank, I mean, Alzheimer's disease is the sixth leading cause of death in the U.S., and it- if he has something else, some other form of dementia like Louis body or Creutzfeldt-Jakob disease, then then his life is severely in danger, literally. And I-, I don't think I'm overstating that. As incredible as it seems, he's all the he's all that the Democratic Party has. Uh, so I think he's being propped up. I think he's being protected and maybe even positioned, you know, and occasionally comes which, out of which, his basement and tries which, to make by the a way, point. Yeah.
3: No, Neil, which, by the way, I, I said this the other day on the program, everything you just said, I sentiment and I said this on air. You add one more layer to that; it means what the Democrats are doing to him right now is very cruel, and they're using Joe Biden. Which, by the I way, guys, that. th- that's what the left does—they're users. They don't mm-hmm. come alongside and help anyone. They are a party of using people, spitting them back out. That's what they do with their constituents. It's what they do with their politicians, even. And case case in point, right now, what they're doing with Joe Biden is a crime all by itself. It's elder abuse. It I is. agree.
4: Yes. No, you're absolutely so, yeah. right to,
1: to basically backdoor Kamala Harris into the into the exactly. White House. No, I know, uh, and you do wonder does he does he make it through his first four years? Frankly, no. I, I'd be surprised no. I'd be very shocked no. if he did.
3: Uh, I'll be shocked if he makes it through a year, guys. Yeah, I mean, to, to Neil's point, I had a grandmother that I what we watched go through almost exactly the same things that you're seeing with Joe Biden. And the problem is, once they really get going. You know, downhill, and Neil knows this. Once it starts, I mean, it's it's a it's a fast downhill slide to where you know one day they're perfectly fine, and the next day they don't know who's around them, and and you can just see this starting. And I'm not, I'm again, I'm not a doctor, but you can see this in joe biden see it in his behavior see it in his mental capacity and it's also why guys i will be shocked i will be shocked i could be wrong i may eat my words but i'll be
4: shocked if there's any presidential debates yeah do you uh, agreed and by the way if 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 it's determined that he is experiencing early signs of dementia do you give him the nuclear codes really think about that you can't Mm. yeah
1: right i know and look i i Resonate with everything you guys are saying. My mom died from dementia, and, and so I, I see this very same kind of thing here. You, you mentioned the debates. I I tend to lean toward the, the same thing here. I would be shocked if there were actually any debates, but I do think if I, if I had to bet money, it would probably be that there will be one token debate and that they'll end up doing some kind of negotiated compromise where it'll just be a 60-minute debate one time and then that's it and the liberal we're already seeing some Democrats trying to make the argument that uh, debates aren't really necessary you know Nancy Pelosi says all it does is legitimize Trump (laughs) CNN's Joe Lockhart yeah this isn't really the right so they're already putting the feelers out there to prepare everybody to make an argument that presidential debates are old and passe and unnecessary and it just legitimizes Trump and blah 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 and in COVID they'll use that to whatever opportunity they can as well so uh, Let's do this. We're coming up on the the bottom of the hour in the second half. We're going to talk about some of the more specific things that we have seen in the news recently as it relates to this area, these areas of violence. Of course, uh, in Kenosha, the violence there and Kyle Rittenhouse, the 17-year-old kid being charged with first-degree homicide. And then of course the Patriot Prayer Group, uh, the Trump supporter who was executed in Portland, Oregon, and some people saying, well, you know, Joe Biden saying, well, they were just, quote, spoiling for a fight and whatever. We're going to dive into all those as well. And, and And the pushback from some Trump supporters and conservatives in this country that say enough is enough. Uh, How do we look at things like that? Are some Trump supporters being instigators now? All right, well, we'll explore all of that in the second half of this National Crawford Roundtable podcast. And listen, you can listen to it, folks online. You can go to Crawford.live and you can listen to the second half of this online as well as previous podcasts that are archived. Also, you can subscribe to Apple Podcast. If you do, we'd love it if you would review the podcast. We'll take a nice big five-star review from you. You can listen on Stitcher, tune in, and more. This
0: has been a Crawford Broadcasting Production.
1: Continuing the second half of this National Crawford Roundtable podcast with Neil Boron of Neil Boron Live out of Buffalo, New York. Roger Marsh of The Bottom Line out of the People's Republic of California. John Rush, Rush to Reason out of Denver, Colorado. Myself, Bob Duco, The Bob Duco Show out of Detroit. We've been talking about violence, Uh, Joe Biden's efforts to now try to rewrite history and claim that Donald Trump is the one responsible for the violence happening in these cities. That's absolutely absurd. Uh, But there is a pushback that's taking place. Uh, There are some Trump supporters and some conservatives who are saying enough is enough. We are tired of liberals and anti-Trumpers and Black Lives Matter and Antifa exercising their First Amendment rights going wherever they want to go and then going beyond those rights to actually carry out violence, whereas we are staying cowering in our homes because we don't want to poke the bear. And, guys, I'm seeing this more—before we get into some of the details about Kyle Rittenhouse and uh, the man who was killed in Portland and such, I want to ask you about this general philosophy of some Trump supporters and some conservatives, and John Rush, we'll start with you. Uh, Your thoughts on some conservatives that are saying— That's it. I'm tired of being told, don't poke the bear. I'm tired of being told, don't touch the hornet's nest. Uh, No, I'm an American, too. I have rights, too. I'm not going to be intimidated and afraid. I'm going to stand up to the bully, and I'm going to show up in the heart of these cities, and I'm going to proudly and boldly proclaim my Trump 2020 flag on my pickup truck and let the chips fall where they may. Uh, that attitude is starting to gain some steam among some conservatives. i got to be honest with you, I can resonate with that. I I can understand that. The Christian in me says, well, okay, let's not instigate. But there's another part of me that says sometimes bullies need to be stood up to, and I'm tired of seeing conservatives being afraid to support Trump with their outside voice.
3: Yeah, and Bob, to your point, and I predicted some of this, you know, weeks back, like months ago, that people would finally, you know, just get fed up, and they would get to the point where they would start, you know, coming out and doing some of the things that they're doing. And while I'm not one to, to uh, you know, promote any kind of violence, which I'm not here because I would denounce that, but but you know, there, there's a certain point, there's a tipping point, if you would, to where people get pushed so far to where they're just finally like, you know what, all right. I've had enough, and I will tell you guys, and I'm not, I'm not trying to make these exact similarities or, or these exact you know, comparisons, because I know it's not exact, but would we be the country we are today if some great Christian men of old back in the 1700s hadn't done the same thing?
1: Yeah, that's a very fair point. Roger, what do you think?
2: I think it, it, it's very true, and we are living in a really unprecedented times now, where the you know the the number of people we've seen this happening at college campuses, we've seen this happening, uh, you know, for years and years now, where the the the, the voices of some are being you know, squelched at the expense of the voices of the few, and I think that as we're looking at the election right now, and 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 the fact that there are people who are pretty avid Trump supporters who are actually getting some press here are you guys as frustrated as I am with the cavalcade of quote-unquote stars that people who are like, Why well, I was a Republican and now I can't stand the president, you know, and that type of stuff. <laughs> After, it's like, now they just happen yep. to show up? You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> we've we've been, in, we've been in this situation for the past four years, and quite frankly, some of the people who, I, I think they just kind of shoot their credibility in the foot, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. Those are the only ones who, you know, when the John Kasichs and the Colin Powells and, and men who garnered respect, you know, from people, not necessarily because of their political party, but because of what they accomplished. Accomplished, are now turning around, and saying, "Well, I just don't like him." I mean, it, it's so it, it, it's surreal to me, and I don't know how it is for you guys too, just to see so many people driven by feelings and so many people driven by emotions with nothing to back them up other than, "Well, that's just the way I feel." I remember a season like that in life. I think we call it adolescence, right. you know, where you know your hormones are going nuts and everything is just like, "Well, I don't care. I just feel crazy like this." It's like we've got a whole nation filled with, you know, forty or fifty percent of the population is just stuck in adolescent mode and they can't get past
1: it. Yeah, so true. Uh, Neil, what's your take on the, the, the pushback feel that uh, you are getting a growing number of conservatives, Trump supporters, and yes, Christians too, that are saying, that's it. Enough is enough. I'm not going to be afraid to let my voice be heard, and I'm standing up to the bully. I don't want to incite violence. I don't want to encourage it. But there comes a point where, where we got to quit saying, okay, keep your mouth shut. Or else we're just going to blame the victim if something, you know. No, you, you stand up right. to the bully on the playground, the bully fights you, you fight back, and then it's like there you're instigating it. But it's like, no, I just refused to give you my lunch money and I refused to walk around the long side of the school. I'm allowed to walk through the playground also, and I'm walking through the playground. And if you attack me, I'm going to fight back. Does that mean that I'm now inciting violence because I'm refusing to obey the bully and refuse to walk through the public playground? That That's part of the challenge here.
4: Yeah. Well, that's a good question, and it's a complicated one. And there's a couple of facets to it that I don't know if we'll have time to – you know, look at all the various details. But I mean, for instance, you mentioned the word conservatives. Well, many Christians are conservatives, but there are conservatives who aren't Christians. Right. And by the way, I just uh, overall for sure. I mean, everyone has a boiling point. Everybody has a point at which you know we push back. So it's I think it's only natural what's happening. But on the other hand, because of the fact that some conservatives and perhaps many conservatives are Christians. We've got the added uh, assistance of the Holy Spirit and the truth of God's word to lead us. So I think, honestly, that we need to be praying diligently about these kind of things and ask for supernatural wisdom, because the world's becoming a very complicated place. And I think that we're in danger of putting the toe across the line one too many times and perhaps ruining the reputation of Jesus himself or the gospel message. And I don't want to overstate that. I'm just saying that we ha- we're, I believe the church is here. For such a time as this, that mm-hmm. that we're here uniquely positioned to bring light into darkness and hope into despair, and so that ought to be part of our prayer—not just "Hey Lord, should I just stand up to the bully right now," but "How can I win the bully for Christ?" I mean that that honestly, I don't want to, I don't want to just go all you know super Christian on anybody. That's not my intent, but I'm saying that is why we're here. Yeah. Um, so you know, what exactly is the role of the Christian at a time like this? And and let me just give a shameless plug for something that many of the stations are now doing in the Crawford Broadcasting Company. We've got a thing called Pray 2020, and uh, you can go to wdcxradio.com and click on Pray 2020, put your name in there, and we'll send you prayer updates for things we should be praying about, but many of those things focus on the heart of us as believers, because, Bob, you're right. I mean, we're we're Christians, and we want to serve Jesus, but there's an, there's a fleshly side that we deal with, and sometimes we want to do the right thing. We want to love our enemies, and other times we want to you know, do what uh, some have suggested and punch them in the face. So, (laughs) God forbid. forbid, God forbid if I could
2: jump in here yeah. just quickly because Bob I loved your schoolyard analogy about the bully and, and you know how do you stand up to him and Neil your point about winning souls for the kingdom um, there's a colleague of mine who's based in Portland Oregon uh, area or maybe it's Eugene his name is Paul Cochlin, and he has a ministry that helps it's called uh, The Protectors and it's it's really it's a ministry for schools and whatever to help people encounter and deal with you know a case if they've had bullying and you know in the in the past and a lot of schools do even private Christian schools and one of the things that Paul has taught for years is the fact that the way you deal with the bully first and foremost is someone stands up to the bully i mean that's how you get the conversation going is the bully keeps bullying because they don't the response they get is running or cowering or this that and the other thing and he said it's amazing how effective it is if even one person will call the bully out Mm -hmm. and oftentimes you see the bullies kind of going wait what the heck i didn't realize you know they're kids that they're dealing with but but Mm -hmm. i I think to the point we're in a culture right now where oftentimes we think okay well I have to win this argument and these guys have these very clever comments to say and they've got all the media behind them repeating everything in lockstep and there's no way I could ever actually beat this. Instead of just saying well wait a minute what is truth? How do we speak truth to that power? How do we do it in a way that's winsome and gracious and loving and wanting to draw people into Christ? I mean letting Jesus be the one who's actually fueling our argument, but to say, look, I, this isn't easy. And yeah, people are going to yell at you and spit at you and throw things at you. But at the end of the day, wh- what's the best way to go after this? I mean, sure, we go to the polls and we can vote and, you know, may the best candidates win. But ultimately, the, we live in a corrupt system. I mean, we we live in a sinful, fallen world by definition. So, mm-hmm. those are just temporal, you know, fixes, if you will, for the lar- much larger problem that we have. And we in the body of Christ are are charged with going into all that those worlds and preaching the gospel that some might be saved. So, I, I think it's a, it's a both end of what you guys are talking about. And I'm glad we we hit this point in the discussion there.
1: No, I know it's a, it's a great point, Roger. I know we got to take a break here too, uh, and it, it does seem as though this is something that we should be able to to harmonize. We should be able to harmonize standing up to the bully while still doing this in, you know, in the love of Christ. Because, uh, look, the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 16, when he was falsely accused and imprisoned with Silas, uh, he stood up to the magistrates. Okay, He demanded his rights as a Roman citizen in that case. Uh, I don't think he did anything un-Christlike. Sometimes you need to tell people, hey, look, you're denying me my rights and I'm not going to take them. Uh, combined with I'm going to stand up to the bully, and if I have an opportunity to share uh, Christ with him, I'm going to do that. That matters most. First and foremost, I'm not going to punch him in the face, but I am going to say, you know something, I'm an oak tree, and I'm not going to jump out of your way anymore, Roger.
2: Yeah, I think that it's an excellent point, and I've got a, an example to underscore what that looks like, I think, in action, but let's take that break first, and then we'll come back and uh, continue with that part of the conversation here on this edition of the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast.
5: Dr. Michael Yusuf leads the way for people living in spiritual darkness to discover the light of Jesus Christ. This tremendous outreach begins with the proclamation of God's Word through the uncompromising biblical teaching of Dr. Michael Yusuf. Leading the Way is here to equip and strengthen the church to stand strong and to advance the gospel in today's ever-changing world. Listen to Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef at ltw.org listen and be sure to mention you heard about their program on the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast.
2: Welcome back to the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast along with Bob Duco, the Bob Duco Show in Detroit, Michigan, John Rush, Rush to Reason in Denver, Colorado, Neil Boron, Neil Boron Live in Buffalo, New York, and yours truly, Roger Marsh, the Bottom Line Show broadcasting from the People's Republic, of California uh, we're talking about the the issue at hand of uh, the 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 viability of Joe Biden the reaction to the uh, violence in the streets and uh, now the issue of uh, the those who are saying enough is enough uh, those who are uh, predominantly supporters of President Trump and and saying hey come on let's we're going to have to find some way to to push back here and I know that in the excuse me in the culture that we're living in right now uh, I, I was thinking of an example that we've talked about here on this program, um, and and that is the example of Dr. John MacArthur at Grace Community Church here in the Los Angeles area, and how this how this case, because a lot of pastors are saying, okay, fine, Romans 13, I'm just going to go along with whatever the shutdown order is. Others are a little more uh, vigilant and saying, no, we're going to we're going to protest and we're going to make a big stink out of it. Um, Godspeed Calvary Chapel in Ventura um, has gotten a lot of, that's Pastor Rob McCoy, he's also gotten some cease and desists and some fines and things like that. And from what I understand, local churches, the smaller ones in the area, are actually showing up and forming barricades to the entry there to protect the parishioners who want to go in. I mean, because there's so many protesters and you know demonstrators out there saying you can't go in there because of this you know court edict and et cetera, et cetera. What's hap- If you watch the, the the thread though, the story arc of what's happening with Grace Church. They ag- agreed for the first three weeks back in March, we're going to slow it down. Then people started coming back to church. So finally, by July, they said, look, this is the deal. You know, We'll, we'll respect the law, but you know, God's our uh, ultimate authority, and so we're going to meet. And what we've seen over the past six weeks, then, is the L.A. County officials coming after them, first legally in terms of the, no, you can't gather. Then it's, well, it, we, you have an illegal worship service going on here, which they got the county was defeated in court because there is no ban on worship services. There's just ban on indoor gatherings. It's a technicality. Well, now, I don't know if you guys saw the story this week, Grace Church has an overflow parking lot that is owned by mm-hmm. L.A. County. They lease with the county, and guess what? The county has now terminated the lease, and they're kicking them off the property. Now yeah. we've moved into an area where we finally get a chance to see what the county's really all about here. And this has nothing to do with health. It has everything to do with suppressing religious liberty. And, and therein lies the rub where I say, okay, well, look, the church took a stand. Not a militant clubs and torches. They weren't going to city council meetings. They weren't out there saying, we're going to vote these people out of office. They just took a stand. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they've taken a stand and they've drawn this ire from L.A. County i think gives us a model of what can possibly happen Mm -hmm. but how we as christians can engage in the culture saying look this is who god is this is who we are this is what the first amendment says and so we're just going to keep being us and let the chips fall where they will and i i I hold them up as a as a really firm example of how we can actually engage And some of these enough as enoughers uh, i think that they can learn from we can all learn from what these guys are doing in their case
1: yeah well said it's very 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 good point let's uh Let's talk specifically now about a couple of the, the individual cases, the, the deadly violence cases that we've seen in the news, because I'd love to, to, to get you guys take an analysis on this. We'll start with uh, the case of the Patriot Prayer hat guy. This is in Portland, Oregon. You got a Trump supporter. He was wearing this hat for this group, Patriot Prayer. Uh, and he was gunned down. In cold blood, you you watch the video, you listen to this, and you can hear somebody say, hey, we got one of them here, we got a Trumper here. Yeah, him, yeah, this guy, and then boom, gunshot, gunshot, the guy is dead. Now, the press has tried to create the the perception that this Patriot Prayer Group is a radical, alt-right, extreme right, white supremacist kind of, the guy who founded this group specifically denounces white supremacists. We have no interest in you guys. We don't want you guys with us at all. You're not connected with us in any way. Uh, and this this is a group. By the way, the founder of the group, he's actually more of a libertarian than anything else. He supports decriminalizing marijuana. He supports same-sex marriage. He supports a path to citizenship for illegal immigrants. That doesn't sound like, quote, alt-right or extreme right or white supremacist right-wing kind of whatever. Uh, But the bottom line is this is a Trump supporter who got executed because he dared to be a Trump supporter. Uh, But here's what I'm curious from you guys, and this gets to the the pushback thing we were talking about before. There are some that are trying to say that this group of Patriot Prayer people, that they were wrong for taking their trucks and cars with Trump flags and signs down into downtown Detroit because it was that kind of poking the bear thing. Joe Biden, in so many words, said, well, hey, that's what you get. You know, you go there spoiling for a fight. So uh, the Democrats and the media are actually suggesting that somehow the Trump supporters were wrong for going into – downtown Portland knowing full well that they could end up getting accosted by Black Lives Matter in Antifa, and that's exactly what happened. And these guys were armed. They had uh, bear spray, pepper spray, and they also had paintball uh, guns that they could shoot at to repel the people. But uh, let me throw it over to you, John, John Rush. First of all, uh, the way that this is being reported is that they're counter-protesters and that these were clashes between the two. These guys were peaceful. They were law-abiding. They did not instigate the Black Lives Matter protesters. What happened is the leftists are the ones who blocked their roads, started throwing things at them, and then these guys were the ones who were shooting the paintball things back at them to try to basically clear the way so that they could go on with their. It seems like they have the same First Amendment rights to those streets. And by the way, they applied for permits, so they did everything legally.
3: And you know what? That's a great question. Bob, let's do this. Let's take a break. We'll come back, talk about that. You're listening to the National Crawford Roundtable.
5: Dr. James Dobson left a successful career in academia to preserve and promote the biblical family in America. The radio broadcasting ministry of Dr. Dobson spans over four decades, earning him 17 honorary doctorate degrees and an induction into the National Radio Hall of Fame. Today, Dr. Dobson continues to champion marriage and parenthood through Family Talk. Listen every weekday at dr. org, and be sure to reference the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast when asked how you listen to family talk.
3: And we're back National Crawford Roundtable myself, Neil Boron, Roger Marsh, and Bob Duco, and you know, bottom line, Bob, and this is what I think a lot of folks on both sides are forgetting Christians included. It doesn't matter it doesn't even matter if they applied for the permits it's a free country we've got freedom of movement we've got freedom of speech and you ought to be able to do whatever you want to do when it comes to that as long as you're not inciting violence you're not shouting fire in a crowded room you're in the movie theaters and things along those lines we understand all of that i'm not talking about that. i'm just talking about if you want to fly a trump flag on the back of your truck and drive down any road in this country it's your right to do so i don't care what else is going on in that particular town i don't care care who else is protesting in that town you have freedom of speech and guys if we lose that we've lost the country period i could
1: not say it better uh neil what's your response to that
4: well it's a different take entirely i don't disagree john with what you're saying i mean this is america and we enjoy freedom uh however uh, my take or what i would add to that is you know they these people may have been exercising the First Amendment rights, but we can't see their heart. And I'm I'm not going to try to say that I know what was in their heart because I don't. But you know, you got Paul in First Corinthians six twelve, the first part of it saying everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. And you uh, you know we have to employ wisdom. I, I my point being that you know if I have a dispute with my neighbor about something, whatever it is, and then I put something on my front lawn that, in a sense, reminds them that we disagree. I'm provoking some kind of a response. Uh, were they out there to, merely to provoke the response, or just to enjoy their freedom? I got to believe they were looking for some kind of response, just because they were wearing all the you know Trump gear and the MAGA hats and whatever. I was it. I don't think it was necessarily a, a good use of a wise choice to make. Let me put it that way. So I think we got to be careful. And the let me say, but careful, the, Hank, be
3: careful the, of what.
4: Yeah, you're you're giving bu- letting of. the bullies I'm you're confused. letting the bullies
1: control the streets then, and not you. standing
4: up to them. Okay, well, then why don't we meet in our church parking lots and organize these events? Let's do this as a Christian outreach. But,
3: that, but that's not the point, Neil. The, the point, Neil, is we have freedom of speech in this country. Right. And frankly, I don't even care what's in that person's heart. As long as they're not inciting violence, quote-unquote, taking the first shot, whatever the case may be. I go back to what I said earlier. If our founding fathers had taken the approach that you just mentioned a moment ago, would we have a free country today? Or would we still uh, no. be underneath England's thumb?
4: No, we wouldn't, and I think that there's a place for exactly what you're describing, but did they employ the this? And that's now, by the
3: way. That's my that's my feeling, and that time has come.
4: Okay. Well, then we can agree to disagree on that point. My point is that we uh, you said on like on what basis would we do this? On the basis that we're about the kingdom of God, not the United States of America primarily. But if that we, we have lose a, the United
3: we, States of America in a way, and I'm saying we lose the kingdom be careful of God where you because go with we this. don't, okay. we're not, yeah, not going to lose the kingdom of God, but here's the reality, guys. When, if we lose... If we lose the United States of America, the most sovereign nation ever known to mankind, uh, a nation that has been more giving than any other nation on the face of this planet, we have done more to lift the entire world up than any other nation known to mankind. If we lose the United States of America, we lose all of that. Now, is that a good thing or bad thing for Christendom? That's another discussion.
4: By the way, when I was about six years old. I, I had uh, a neighbor that I had a dispute with. My my next door neighbor. Uh, his name was Sam. And we got into a conversation argument, and, and at some point it was, my dad can beat up your dad. No, my dad can beat up your dad. So then he went and got a shovel out of his garage and said, my dad would use this shovel to hit your dad. So I went and got a bigger shovel out of my garage, and then eventually it was a two-by-four, and then somebody got a bigger two-by-four. And I guess my point is, what what was to be gained by what they did, other than, I agree, there is a time and a place to stand up to the bully. I agree with that. But as believers, I don't think this kind of thing should be what motivates us. I think the love of Christ should be.
1: All right, can I, let, me, let me chime in here for a second. We all watched the RNC convention. One of the speakers at that convention was Clarence Henderson. This is a civil rights uh, leader who, in 1960, at the famous Greensboro, North Carolina Woolworths counter, he was one of the young black men who sat uh, at that counter. He's also a brother in Christ. I interviewed him on my show the next day after his speech. We talked about this. Uh, You know, I got to say, Neil, with all due respect, he went there to sit at that counter knowing full well that that was going to provoke a response, but it was the right thing to do to say, "No, this is America. I have freedoms as well, and I am not going to bow and stay silent and allow the bullies to deny me my freedoms and my rights just because if I stand up to them, they're going to be provoked. Sometimes the bully needs to be stood up to, and I'm going to walk across that right. I'm going to walk across that playground when the bully stands there saying, "You're not allowed on this playground." Yes, I am, and if you want to take me on, I will fight you back. I will defend myself. I'm hoping it doesn't come to that, but I am not going to cower and walk around the long si- the, the the long way around the <laughs> barn just so that I obey your unconstitutional demands. And
4: I agree with that. I totally agree with that. But is 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 if there's a difference between primarily being a conservative or being a conservative Christian? And I think that right, our faith needs 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 to motivate us to action. Based in the love of Christ, that doesn't mean that we we count out of bullies. I think there, there's a time and a place to stand up to them, but I I, I cannot. I cannot say that I'm looking forward to the day when churches have stand up to the bully outreach ministries designed to hey if we've got rights and we're going to go exercise them right now that that's our motivating factor. I just think it's not Yeah, but not they're burning down cities. So they're do.
1: burning down cities, burning down businesses, destroying homes, ruining okay. people's lives and we're standing by and not letting it happen and it and seems keeping like keeping churches well,
3: closed on yeah, top and, of Yeah, and, and these guys. groups, groups are going into
1: that. these cities and and they're basically standing toe to toe with Black Lives Matter and Antifa and saying enough is enough, stop burning this. We're coming here with guns. We are going okay. to defend these businesses.
4: And we and we could, but we could also defend them with prayer and with fasting and if necessary guns, but that you know that we have other armaments that we can refer to in the body of Christ. It seemed to work out for Jehoshaphat in 2nd Corinthians Chronicles 20.
2: Yeah, I think to Neil's point, it's a both and, not an either or. I, I think that uh, it's one of those things where we have to look at the motivation and check our hearts. And I know the four of us, all of our hearts are pure in terms of saying we want you know, what we want, what God wants first and sure. foremost. But we also have the we also have the challenges that we're facing here that are unprecedented. The fact that you know that a group of thugs would come into a city and say, "Well, we're doing this for ostensibly for one particular reason," but it's becoming more and more apparent that that has very little to do with you know. Police brutality, racial injustice, this, that, and the other thing—it just becomes flat-out thuggery. So the question then is, how do we deal with it? And Bob, to your point about Paul in uh, in Acts sixteen, and my point with John MacArthur—I think it really does become a both and situation where you have to say, okay, look, John's point is excellent, you know, in terms of advancing the kingdom of Christ and 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 advancing biblical values like capitalism, which people seem to forget, really is God's great idea first and foremost in terms of a, a measurable method of means and exchange and working and serving and that and that type of thing. We've seen. Po- the, the, the world poverty level. I mean, the extreme poverty cut nearly by de- to a third of what it used to be simply because people are getting opportunities to work. I mean, and those are American values that we champion and we trumpet. They need to be fought, f- fought and defended for. But to Neil's point as well, and I would, you know, from the pastoral side, my heart is torn in, sen- in the sense of saying, look, we have to stand up to the violence, but what are we standing up with? If the impression is that we're standing up only with guns and laws, then we're missing the point as Christians. But if we're not utilizing those same things that we have the legal right to use responsibly, then we're not really doing or exercising our duty as Christians. So, I mean, I guess that would be my point.
4: And I can't say that I know exactly what's in John MacArthur's heart, but I've watched his ministry, I've listened to his program for more than 40 years, and I believe that his motivating factor is that we are compelled by Scripture to gather together for worship, that that's the number one thing driving their decision right now, not to show up You know the county that he lives in or to show government officials they have no right to make such laws that you know by default becomes a part of the equation but I don't think that's the motivating factor and that's what I'm trying to say sure let me
1: uh, as we're kind of coming to the end of this podcast I I did at least want to, for our last couple of minutes get out on the table the case of Kyle Rittenhouse the 17 year old in Kenosha who's now being charged with double first-degree murder in essence uh, for for not the, gonna, it's not going to stick, by the way. Jesus yeah, I, I you know, no and way. I I I tend to agree. I tend to agree very much. But you know, a lot of people are saying, well, he shouldn't have been there in the first place?" Blah blah blah. Okay, not but, the you know, point. You know, I, it's you're right. It's not the point not because the point. once he, even if you, it's like the George Zimmerman case, even if you want to argue, okay, he should have been there, shouldn't have been there. Okay, and that's fine. That's a fine debate to have. But the fact is once he's there does he now even if you believe that he should not have been there in the first place okay does and you think that was a mistake does that mistake mean that he forfeits his right to self defense does that mean that he now no. deserves to die okay no. because and that to me is a frustrating thing here that that you want to argue that you don't think he should have been there okay fine which by the way I'm I'm I'll still debate that okay but even if that's the case, yeah, so he's not allowed to defend himself now. That becomes the argument to say his life is no longer worth defending. That that just infuriates me.
3: Yeah, I mean, first of all, you, you can't argue should he have been there at all? That's not the point, folks. Go, I go back to what I said earlier. This is a free country. We have freedom of movement. We have a First Amendment right and a Second Amendment right, by the way, right. as well. And we've got the ability to do the things that we need to do to defend ourselves, to protect ourselves, period. And you cannot get into this this nonsense of, well, he shouldn't have been there at all. That's not the point, period. And by mm-hmm. the way, the charges that they've trumped up against this kid— in my opinion, are to keep him safe. That's just my own opinion. I don't think these charges are going to stick, but I think they, they know that if they put this kid out on the street, he's dead.
1: Yeah, I know. And and I, I by the way, this same kid the day before was out there. Video caught him cleaning and washing graffiti off of the school walls. Uh, right. He, he ha, He's trained in first aid, which wow, when I was 17, I was just learning to tie my shoes. Uh, and here's a kid that's trained in first aid. He had first aid kits out there with him. He was assisting and applying first aid to people in need. And the first guy that he shot because guns were firing behind him as they were chasing him, he turned around and went back and and uh, tried to check on the guy and was going to administer first aid to him. But then, when the other guy started chasing after him, that's when he took off running again. And then tripped and fell. So it it doesn't seem like it's fair for this guy to be this kid to be portrayed as some uh, right wing Trump supporting vigilante murderer out there. But that's the way that a lot of the the left, Roger, that's what the and media is been painting it out to
4: be. Yeah, I know. Yeah, and I agree that's unfair, but let me jump in with something. I was looking at the uh, Twitter responses to this whole thing. I think it was on Tucker Carlson's feed. I can't remember. Uh, let me just say, my, my dear mom, God rest her soul, who wouldn't let me drink beer, smoke cigarettes, or, uh, or watch Batman when I was a kid, or dance, because I was a Christian. Batman? Uh, okay. We, we saw the movie Bur- The Burning Bed um with uh, oh, sure. i think it was uh, fair Fawcett, Farrah Fawcett right? who yeah. you know had been a victim of domestic right. violence and at the end she douses the bed with gasoline lights it on fire and i remember my mom just essentially cheering like this was the greatest thing in the world she killed her husband and i said mom she just murdered her husband <laughs> well th- this this tweet in response to this whole thing said a minor written house in self defense Killed a convicted rapist pedophile, Rosenbaum, and a domestic abuser, Huber, who chased and attacked him in public. A pedophile, domestic abuser, and a commie with a handgun chased and attempted to murder a kid because he was pulling it, putting out the dumpster fire that the quote, peaceful protesters lit. And they concluded by saying, it's disgusting how some try to excuse the three monsters. Yeah, they may have been monsters, but there's three human beings who have souls that are now dead. And I'm not in any way saying that Rittenhouse didn't have a right to protect himself. He certainly did. He had a right to be there. But I'm saying that there's a bigger picture involved here, that three people are dead, and I don't think Christians ought to be cheering simply because one was a racist pedophile and the other one was a domestic abuser and the third was a communist. Um, I think our hearts ought to be grieving. So do we have rights? Of course. Should we exercise them? Yes. And let's try to defend them as best we can, but I'm concerned about Christians appearing as though we're cheering the death of the three others.
1: Let me toss this over to Roger real quick because we're just about out of time. Roger, I I think that Neil makes a very... Fair point. I don't know that any of us would be high-fiving each other, or cheering that anyone has died in a case like this, but I don't mind saying that I think it's wrong and injustice for the 17 year old kid to be treated and smeared the way that he is as though he did something wrong in defending himself. If somebody tries to break into my home and harm me or any of my family or whatever, I don't want to have to kill that person. But you know something? I will. Okay. Mm -hmm. I won't celebrate it. I I won't cheer after the fact. I'll grieve that I had to do that, but you better believe I will do that. And I think that this young man did what he had to do. And I don't think he had to sacrifice his life just because some people felt like he, quote unquote, shouldn't have been there.
2: Yeah, you know, it's amazing how interesting, uh, how different this story would be if things had turned out differently. If he doesn't pull the trigger and these people don't wind up dying, does he wind up dying as a martyr? I mean, does he wind up becoming like David Dorn in St. Louis, who is a retired police officer who goes down to help a friend whose pawn shop was being attacked? And here's an African-American guy getting... Executed basically by another black guy because well you're the police and you're trying to I want this and I'm entitled to this the 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 idea that people can understand everything and I'm really appreciated the 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 nuances of all of our conversation today because of the fact that these are complicated issues and we are complicated people and not to try to you know paint that over everything and saying, okay, well, let's all just kind of get along, but rather to say, look, when we when we do form judgments, when we do form opinions, we live in a polarizing society now that wants a quick answer to a very, very important problem. We want to find the love of our life with one swipe of a, uh, an app. We want we want our salvation to just kind of come through a 30-second soundbite that you saw on social media. And, and let's face it, if you look at the way God works in the hearts of people, it's planting the seed, letting it grow, the fruit is actually born, it takes time. So so I, I think that what we can do for in terms of as the body of Christ is to look at these issues and keep having the conversation rather than rushing to judgment on a 17-year-old kid who was doing some good work there but brought a weapon that he knew how to handle because he thought he might have to protect himself. I mean, let's face it, what about Nehemiah rebuilding the wall for crying out loud? I mean, they were being mm-hmm. attacked, and they're painting with one hand and defending right. with the other. So I mean, it's it's not like we don't have biblical precedents here, um, but but all in all, uh, the, the, the I think what we can bring to the equation is is bringing the peace of Christ and the clear vision that says, yeah, I mean, Bob, I, I agree with you in terms of saying, I, I don't think we should uh, vilify this kid. And, and John, the point of, you know, sometimes people do take, get taken into custody for their own protection. Uh, there's there's uh, all is not as seen when it comes to the way the media reports thing, but the more we can have dialogue we can have discussion get the facts and present them and, and do so prayerfully i think we can really have a huge impact for the kingdom in the chaos that the world is in well right now. right well excellent excellent well points
1: said. from roger marsh uh, excellent points from neil boron excellent points from john rush uh, fair to Midland points for me, Bob Duco. It's always great having uh, you guys all join us for the uh, National Crawford Roundtable. We appreciate all of you listeners very much. And remember, you can listen to the podcast as well as archives at crawford.live. You can also subscribe to Apple Podcasts. We'd love for you to review the podcast as well. Or you can listen on Stitcher, tune In and more. And John Rush, Rush to Reason out of Denver. Denver Roger Marsh, the bottom line out of Southern California you. Neil Boron, Neil Boron live out of Buffalo, New York. Myself, Bob Duco out of Detroit. Uh, Gentlemen, always great catching up with you for another week. Uh, Thanks a lot. Look forward to next week. Right. Thanks, Bob. Hey, have Thanks a great guys. labor yeah. have a great Labor Day, you guys, too. And to everybody listening, thank you so much. God bless
0: This has been the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Download and subscribe to the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and more. Apple users can rate the podcast, and we'd appreciate your five-star rating. National Crawford Roundtable Podcast returns with a new discussion each week. Be sure to watch for the notification on your podcast app. This has been a Crawford Broadcasting Company production.